This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode 495. Welcome to the Consult Carry Podcast. I am your host, Jacob Paulson. I'm joined today by Matthew Marister. Greetings, and, sir. Yes, greetings. Today we're going to be recording episode 495 titled Victim Charged with Homicide. A reminder, the Consult Carry Podcast is part of the ConsultCarry.com network and sponsored by XS Sites. Today is Wednesday, April 7th when we're recording this, and we have today a collection of defensive gun use stories we're going to be reviewing. These are stories uh, that we've curated. Well, Matthew curates them. And we go through them and try and extract some good lessons. We do this once a month. And so this is the monthly DGU episode. We, I suppose, should excuse Riley Bowman, your usual host. He is not available today. He is traveling and will be competing this week at the USPSA Area 6 competition in North Carolina. So you get me and Matthew for today. Good luck, Riley. Good luck. Yes. Yes. Good luck, sure Riley. Listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I hope he's satisfied with his performance and does awesome because he's got his logo, our logo on the shirt. And so I'd like mm. it to, you know, not suck. <laughs> um, it's going to be great. Now, first couple words from our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by CCW safe, the liability coverage dealio insurance, whatever you want to call it thing that we prefer here at concealedcarry.com. In fact, the more research we do, the more we learn, the more we get intimately familiar with all of the competitors, the more I feel that CCW Safe is the best product out there. You can learn more at ccwsafe.com and be sure to use coupon code CCPODCAST, all one word, to save 10% when you sign up. And uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about you know, all of the competitors and stuff in that industry, you can always go to concealedcarry.com forward slash insurance where we kind of have our big comparison chart. We're going to be updating that chart here soon. There's some things that we've been getting asked about recently from consumers that they want to know about these companies that aren't on that chart. So we're going to be updating that soon. And I think it's going to be very valuable. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Guardian Conference. This is a shameless plug Guardian Conference, an event that we are putting on in September to be the first annual one. Hopefully we'll do this every year and it's shaping up to be pretty fantastic. It's a three-day training event. So, you know, many of you probably listening to this have taken a three-day class from an instructor before. This is a similar concept, except that instead of training with one instructor over the course of those three days, you're probably going to train with about six. The uh, three days, uh, the weekend of training is going to be broken into four-hour blocks, two blocks per day. And, and I would strongly encourage you to learn more at guardianconference.com. And just a quick note that the Guardian Conference is now also being sponsored by XS Sites. So we appreciate their support of that event as well. Okay. So a quick like disclaimer, and I think we generally say something like this, but in case it's been a while since you've heard us say this, I've, I was just reviewing the stories, the news stories that we're going to cover today, Matthew. And I think I just want to remind listeners that it is not our intention to pass judgment on the people involved in these stories. And we are aware, we know that we are, you know, what's it called, you know, armchair quarterbacking, right? That we, from the safety of our, of our little home offices, um, where we're not stressed, we're not in the situation, we're not there, we get to look back on the events and say, oh, you should have done this, you should have done that. And, and we get it. Like, we know that that's maybe not super kind or necessarily, a, 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 I won't say appropriate because I don't think anything inappropriate about it. But, it. but we understand that that context is 
is is what it is. But we do it because we think that there's valuable insights to learn. We think that you know none of us are perfect on any day, and least so when we're in these kinds of situations. So uh, you know we we have to allow that people make mistakes and that we could make mistakes too. But we also want to learn from other people's mistakes when they're made. And that's nothing against them. It's just an opportunity for us to gain. And so I wanted to kind of you know, make that that disclaimer that we get it, but we can still learn. So we should go through these things and identify those those lessons we can pull out of them. Yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, that's it's super important that you brought that up. And and I think we sometimes mention this, but like you said, we, we maybe we haven't prefaced a, a whole episode in a while. But like that when I'm going through these these stories, I'm trying to pull stuff that we can learn from. Like there I go through hundreds of, you know, DGUs and some of them are, you know, short on or really thin on details which it's hard to, to really learn anything. So when we're, when we pull these stories, which are good and bad, right. Um, it's the point is, is what are some things that we can pull out that we can learn from? So in general, everybody's use of force is going to be different, but in general, these are some commonalities we see and things that people can do better or something that you can think about. And, um, yeah, it's never to, to, you know, pile on to somebody's bad day. Right. But somebody's going to read the story. And so we might as well um, try to read it in a way that we can get some information out of it in a, in a good way and, and pass it on to you guys. So hopefully that's what we're conveying, but yep. I thank you for Absolutely. bringing that up. Yeah. I, Cause we're going to have some today where, where without that disclaimer, I might come off as quite judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just want to be, be cautious and, and make sure we're clear on that. Sure. All right, so let's start in Virginia at Clay's Mill. Interesting name of a town. Probably once there was a mill there built by a guy named Clay, and someone decided to make a town out of it. So Clay, Clay's Mill, Virginia. So here's what I understand about this one. This is from yourgv.com, whatever the crap that website is, your Gazette, Virginia. Uh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to downplay the Gazette, Virginian. So this is from the Gazette, Virginian. And the news story title, Clay's Mill Father Shot, Killed After 12-Year-Old Son Mistakes Him for Intruder. So that gives up the juice of where we're going with this. So roughly what we have here is we have a 12-year-old boy who's at home. And uh, at some point earlier in the day, he says that something spooked him, right? You know, 12-year-old home alone. I don't think it's that hard to get spooked. I have a 13-year-old son, and he, yeah, he's, he's pretty easily spooked when he's home alone. So, you know, you hear a weird noise or something, right? And it says that this something that spooked him caused him to retrieve a 22 caliber rifle. So the first thing we know about this incident, Matthew, is that um, there's, there's a 22 caliber rifle that's readily available to a 12-year-old to grab in this home. Sure. And you can, you know, we can pass judgment on that or not, but we know that to be true. So something spooks the kid, he grabs his 22 caliber rifle. Now, later in the day, his parents come home at a different time than when they usually do. So maybe, I don't know, maybe normally they come home at six and this time they come home at five or something. But when the son hear, hear, when he hears something at the door, he shoots down the hallway, according to uh, Sheriff Clark. Now, it wasn't until his mother yelled that the boy, the 12-year-old boy, realizes that it was his parents coming in the door, not some you know, shady intruders. So the shot he fired hit his, his, his father. His father is you know, suffering from the gunshot wound uh, right there in the hallway at the entrance to the home. 
So the deputies show up and they provide some first aid to the victim, but unfortunately he dies uh, mm-hmm. from what I presume to be a single 22 caliber gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't say that multiple shots are fired. Uh, so, you know, from what, what we know, you know, a single 22 caliber gunshot wound. Now, this one's a pretty tragic one, Matthew. And uh, I don't know about you, Matthew. I have a handful of like folders I keep of news stories that fit certain narratives. And -hmm. this happens to be one I keep. I maintain a list of news stories where homeowners accidentally shoot their family members. Mm. Call me a bad person. I do it. So I, I, you know, when, when I saw this one in our outline today, I went and added it to my list uh, of incidents like this. And I'm going to be including in the show notes today uh, a link to episode number 362. If you're listening to this and you haven't listened to episode 362, the title of that episode is How to Not Mistake Your Loved Ones as Intruders. I would encourage you to go listen to that. Because I think what what happens, and this is what happened in this case to this this poor 12-year-old boy, is poor tactics lead us into a situation or environment where we don't have the time or opportunity to identify the target before we feel it's necessary to shoot at it. Now, sometimes it's just straight up like a bad decision, but a lot of times it's not a bad decision in the heat of the moment. It's the problem is that the moment was created because of bad tactics beforehand. So this is pretty tragic. You know, this 12-year-old's got to grow up knowing he killed his dad. That's pretty sucky. And uh, yeah, Matthew, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, so you, you touched on initially, you know, um, he's a 12 year old boy. Now everybody's different. Every child has different, um, responsibility and maturity, right? At 12 years old. So some 12 year olds probably should have access to a 22 caliber rifle. Some of them may not or should not. Right. So that's, that's, um, you know, you mentioned we're not judging on that. Um, but it is a fact that this, this firearm was unsecure. Now, um, when we decide, typically when we think about unsecured firearms in the home, we're like, okay, small children or people or kids that, you know, don't know any better and might accidentally shoot themselves. Well, apparently, you know, this 12 year old, I, I, I don't want to say apparently uh, I'm speculating that he had some sort of either training or uh, knowledge of the firearm in, in, in order to use it uh, defensively. Right. Uh, because probably wouldn't go to that, to getting the gun and carrying it around the house. Um, had he not, you know, had, had authorization like that probably. Um, but like I said, I'm speculating, but, um, so he, you know, it's not just, I accidentally, you know, negligently discharged the gun cause I'm a small child, but it could be, I make a bad decision and shoot somebody that I shouldn't. And un- unfortunately this is what happened. And, um, you know, not it. it I, I just think it's you. You've covered it, and we've covered it so many times. Like you have to identify the target, and I think what's happening is, you know, a, a child at this age probably gets the lecture of, "Hey, this is how you handle the gun safely," um, but without the context of identifying your target and what's beyond it off off of the range, um, that probably wasn't as ingrained as keep your finger off the trigger and and all those types of things. And I think um, it's just a huge thing. We can't shoot at things that we don't see. Or I, I'm just imagining, like, again, again, I'm speculating, but this kid, you know, sticking the gun around like the corner of the hallway and just shooting down the hallway, not really looking or seeing, but hearing something and just shooting down there and happening to, unfortunately, his father. But 
tragic story, um, you know, uh, and, and, but this goes to say, you know, um, you know, we just have to, training is super important. It's not just safety training. It's, it's understanding how to use the firearm, especially if you're going to have it as a defensive tool at the home, in the home. I think, I think it's a huge difference between how do you, how are you safely unloading it and cleaning it and those types of things. So. Yeah, those are good. Those are good comments. The, to me, there's kind of two sides of this coin. There's the, you know, don't mistakenly shoot your family members side of the discussion, which we hashed out pretty well in, in episode, whatever I said it was, 392, I think. And I think that there's some critical tactics issues there. You know, there's this, you know, there's a door, somebody's coming through that door. I take up a position right on the other side of the door. Well, when that door opens, if it's a bad, if it's a bad, bad person, if it's a BG, I pretty much got to start shooting and that doesn't afford me an opportunity to identify the threat. So there's tactics involved in putting some piece of cover between me and the door, right? So I can take up better cover so I can buy myself time, just lighting, you know, just, Hey, I think I hear a noise. Let's get these lights on. So when that door opens, I can see who the crap it is. You know, I, I infer like you, Matthew, that this kid knows how to use a 22 rifle and that he aimed shot hit what he aimed at. And he just didn't know what he was aiming at. That's the problem. So a variety of, of tactics related things, verbal commands. I mean, we could we could go on, and I think we've covered that in the past. But the other side of this coin, and Matthew, this is the one that I think you you're kind of flirting with that I don't have a good answer for. And that is this issue of children and guns, because we've covered plenty of DGUs on this show where a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 11 year old 16-year-old, whatever, has effectively used a gun to defend mm-hmm. their their family from a legitimate threat. Mm-hmm. And so we've covered those stories, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a dad. I, I, I leave my children alone. My oldest kid is big enough to, to watch the younger child's. Right. So like, I don't, I don't have an issue with that. And that's pretty common practice, right? Even if you hire a babysitter at some point, adults leave children, youth, non-adults alone in a house. Right. And so it, 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 there's some degree of like difficult balance to be determined what how you're going to manage that situation because if you feel like well they're alone more than ever before they definitely need access to a firearm to defend themselves okay like that's a decision i think is justifiable and allowable but it's a loaded one like it has to come with a ton of other stuff not just well they're not going to play with it and they know the safety rules and they're going to they're responsible to follow them but in this case it also came with a variety of other tactics related you know decisions and mindset related things that, that caused the tragic accident because they weren't deployed properly and pretty hard to judge a 12 year old for doing that poorly. But if the 12 year old was given permission to access a gun to defend the home that had to come with some other things. And maybe it did, maybe he had all the, the oh, he just made bad decisions that that certainly happens too, but something to consider for the parents out there for sure. Yeah. I, I just, it, to your point, and I think you, you pretty much encapsulized in, in, in a lot of the comments were, like there's a difference between being physically um, capable of being safe with a, a gun and being able to make split second life or death prudent decisions that, you know, don't ha- you can't undo. Right. And so those two things have to be I mean, you could take a kid hunting, teach them safety and show them how to shoot. But it's different than them being on their own and having to make the decision do I shoot at this sound or shape or what object coming through the door? And if I do how many times and, and, and all that, it's, it's a huge, like, um, I don't want to say maturity thing. Cause it's not necessarily maturity. It's just a, 
an ability to, um, I, I guess, formulate the, these, um, uh, think on the, uh, on your feet as far as um, tactically uh, mindset. So, and, and the sad thing is, is the last comment, uh, and I did some research on this article, um, as far as there's no update past this, but the incident is under invest investigation and charges are pending. So they are considering charges. It doesn't say on who, right? Like are the parents being charged with leaving an un the gun unsecured or the, is it, are they charging the juvenile with some sort of negligence? I, I don't know. Um, but this adds a, a layer of complexity to an already horrific, you know, event that happened in this family. So, yeah, we've seen incidents before where parents kill their kids. So mm -hmm. I suppose better that the kid killed the parent. But you know, no matter no matter what happens when some when you when a family member is killed by another family member, that's a rough life ahead mm -hmm. of you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, hopefully, there's some life insurance that can pay for therapy. I don't know. All right, let's move on to the next one. Matthew, break this one down for us. A man killed after breaking into car, suspect charged with murder. Yeah, so not a good one. This is in our um, what not to do section of the uh, of the podcast here. Uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Um, so basically what happens here is um, Jackson police were called to the scene Tuesday. Uh, homicide, they classified as a homicide. Somebody dies, right? Um, according to police, a body of a man was found behind the, a street, uh, behind a home on the street, um, after the homeowner heard several gunshots. So the witnesses, this is, happens around 8 a.m., um, a man is seen breaking into a vehicle. Um, witnesses see what is later identified as the owner of the vehicle that was being broken into by this guy, um, confronts this guy who's breaking into his vehicle. The the car burglar runs off, and as you suspect, the home or the uh, car owner chases after him. Um, basically, ends up shooting him and killing him. Um, so there's not a, a ton of information other than he chases him down, shoots him, and kills him. Um, this is one of those things we don't really need to beat a dead horse, but it comes up. Uh, quite often where people go beyond a defensive use of a firearm. And it, it, it starts out as, Hey, I'm just going out to confront this person because it's my property or, you know, I want to investigate and stop this guy. But if you, but oftentimes it escalates beyond that. And I, I suspect, I suppose, and this is just m me thinking out loud. Um, and, and I'm not saying specifically to this case, but I, I feel that a lot of these instances start well before the person goes out and chases them down and shoots them. It starts like with this mindset that like, you know, I'm not letting anybody take, you know, steal my car, break into my car. They're not leaving my house except in a body bag in that type of mentality or very like, um, not, not not understanding that it's property and not and not knowing where to draw the line that switch that you know is normally off and then we flip it on when we have to become violent and, and do things that aren't necessarily pretty um that switch is kind of always like halfway on or ready to go and, and more so on the you know I'm not going to let this guy get away with it and I think it tends to force us to do things that we not force us but lead us down a road 
that we end up doing things that we probably in retrospect wouldn't have done. And I'm sure that this guy's sitting in jail now because he is in custody charged with murder saying, man, I, I mean, what was in my car, even my car itself, that was worth me sitting here charged with murder and potentially losing my freedom. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure you have something smart you can add, Jacob. Well, I think, I think we got to think through this in terms of a variety of aspects. There's a legal aspect. There's a moral and ethical aspect. There's a tactical aspect. And there's also a mindset issue. And I think you address the mindset issue. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'll add that there's also an emotional issue. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of very quickly go through these. Because the, the mindset is definitely the key here. The, the key that makes this come to pass is the, is a poor mindset, not a defensive mindset, but a mindset that more important than your personal outcome is the outcome of the criminal. When you think that their outcome, that they go to jail, that they not do this to somebody else again, that they you know do not get away with breaking into a car, when, when you think that outcome is more important than your own safety, that's a bad mindset. And that sounds crazy when I say it that way. But how else do you want me to interpret when you decide to chase down somebody who just broke into your car? A complete stranger who you don't know their physical ability. You don't know what weapons they have on them. It, it, it just The only interpretation I can make is that in your brain, you've determined that their outcome is more important than your outcome. That's a bad mindset. There's, there's an emotional factor here as well. And I, and I think we see this a lot. And this is the one that I think we fail to grasp the gravity of because when we're sitting here talking about it in in hindsight, it's easy to be like, well, that's crazy. Why would you chase that person down? But in the moment, I think we have to understand that's the natural thing to do. It is natural. Um, The the, the emotion in your your inside of you is like, hey, someone's breaking in my car. What the crap? Like, I have to stop them. And then you get out there and you're like, hey, get away from my car. And they start running. and, And what's the emotion? Like, it's not like in that moment, you're not logically thinking you're, I mean, because logically you'd be like, huh? Yeah, I should let them go. That's, you know, maybe I could follow from a distance, you know, observe and report if, 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 if I think I could do that safely, but um, I should probably like, you know, let them go. But that's not what happens. Like there's no logic in that moment. Your brain is, is shut off. You are completely running on, on like super natural core emotional reaction which is like, not cool. I'm going to get you. Like, I'm going to stop you. I'm not going to let this happen again. And, and that's natural. And so overcoming the emotion is only done when you've really trained the mindset, when you've, you've driven that home so deep that you, that you are able to do that. Let's talk tactics for a second. And, and this is, I think we kind of covered this with, with mindset, but it is not tactically smart to, chase someone down because they criminalized you like there's there's, nothing about that is going to help you win the fight (laughs) right like there's if you're like if you're trying to increase your odds of survival that that's the wrong decision like you it is tactically full you are decreasing your own odds of surviving by chasing this person down so the tactical side of this is also stop don't run (laughs) like And then we have the moral ethical issue. Uh, The moral ethical issue on this may may be a little bit more blurry because you might be thinking, well, I have a moral obligation to to mankind to stop criminals from escaping justice. Perhaps. 
perhaps, but your role in society is not that. Your role is not to chase people down and prevent them from escaping. Your role is to protect you and your loved ones and where, where possible, as you deem necessary, strangers. But your role is not to make sure that car thieves who run at this, when someone confronts them, uh, that they end up in a prison cell. That's just not your role. Uh, unless, unless you're, you're a cop. If you're listening to this and you're a cop, like that's your role. Like we expect you to chase them. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, this stuff freaks me out because I wonder if my mindset is strong enough to prevent me from turning into an animal and, and acting on emotional instinct instead of what I know I should do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, and I think all that starts like, you, like you're saying, like it all starts before the event happens, right? Like we don't, I, I, if we don't train ourselves to be able to control our emotions, those emotions that override our rational thinking and logical processing, if we don't control that or under, or, or give ourselves the ability to control that, then we're, we're constantly going to be fighting with people, road rage incidents and things like that. And I think one of the things that I, I appreciate about this podcast is the opportunity to kind of, and, and sometimes we get comments about, Oh, everybody's, you know, they, they just want them to, you know, we're, we're too easy on, you know, criminals and we want people to, you know, uh, uh, we facilitate people getting away and things like that, but it's, it's the opposite. It's we're trying to preserve people's lives that, you know, that, that from making bad decisions beforehand, if we can, and try to get some, some rational thought into into what they're doing rather than just reacting reacting emotionally. So mm-hmm. um, we have yep. that ability to. So I, 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 you know, if you guys are listening, you 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 hear this all the time, but uh, I think it never can be you know said too often. So the next story is going to help further illustrate our point. But mm-hmm. I'll give just one last thought. <laughs> There's not a place in America in the United States of America where this person's actions would be deemed legal. There's just not. So like the last, the last component of this, the legal aspect. Yeah. There's nothing legally justified about chasing down somebody who attempted to break into your car and shooting them. Nothing. The initial confrontation is passed. That threat is over. Now there's a new confrontation in which you are the aggressor and you have no active threat. Someone running away from you is not an active threat. So yeah, nothing about this is even remotely close to legal self-defense. And and remember, as as Andrew Branca likes to say, um, it's a it's a binary issue because you're admitting to shooting somebody. You're just claiming I did it in self-defense. Well, the second you lose self-defense, all you have left is your admission of shooting someone. And in this case, that's called homicide, and that dude's going to be in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Whew, not good. All right, so we got one more what not to do here. Uh, we're going to Lokeba. I don't know L O O K E B A, Oklahoma. Lokeba. I don't know. What What do you say, Matthew? Yeah, Lokeba. I'm good with that. How about Lok Lok Lokeba? Lokeba sounds cooler. All right, Lok Lokeba. Ooh, that's good. Lokeba, Oklahoma, in Caddo County. C A D D O. The story here, titled "Caddo County Homeowner Involved in Shootout with Home Invasion Suspects." This one is freaking crazy. Uh, so I think it's my turn. So I'll give you guys, I'll give it, I'll give it to you here. I'm going to try. So what we have, we have a homeowner. Our homeowner gets home. Okay. And on March 22nd and notices 
two suspicious men circling his home. So what do you think the first thing this guy does? <laughs> first thing he does, he calls his brother-in-law who lives down the road. Now, in case you're wondering, this is a pretty rural area. These guys are probably farmers. Okay. So he calls his brother-in-law down the road. who's probably closer than law enforcement. And he says, Hey dude, like you better get down here. Cause I'm fixing quote. I'm fixing to get burglarized. Okay. That's uh, that's according to Cotto County Sheriff Spencer Davis. He says that that's, that's what he's, he does. He calls his brother-in-law and tells him to get down here. Cause he's fixing to get burglarized. So the, one of the, uh, the two suspects, ages 22 and 30, they start to kick in the homeowner's back door. Uh, we have no idea what the suspect's uh, motives are. Are they hoping this, this house is empty, looking for a quick you know, laptop or you know, score of some electronics? Or are they like, you know, let's go kill us somebody? Like, we don't know, right? Like, we know they're armed. That's going to come up here in a minute. But they start kicking in the back door. So... When they when they start to kick back to kick down the door and they start to enter the house, the homeowner fired quote fired a shot in that direction. Didn't hit anybody, according to the sheriff. Then the one of the suspects fires a shot back at the homeowner. So now we have shots going both ways. We got the homeowner shooting at suspects and suspects shooting back. Now the suspects decide that this is a bad course of action. And they probably should not do this. So they retreat. They get into some sort of vehicle because it says they drive away. So they got into a vehicle, presumably theirs, that they brought with them. And they start to drive away. But as they're driving away, the homeowner's family member, presumably the brother-in-law that was called, he is showing up in his car. So what does he do? He starts to follow them. He says, hey, that must be the bad guy's cars. Car. They're driving. I got this. Like, I, I'm on it, right? I'm, I, I got him in my sights. So he starts, the brother-in-law is now following our suspects down the road. The suspects begin firing shots back at the brother-in-law, you know, supposedly, right? The family member, whoever that is. I presume it's the brother-in-law, through the sunroof, okay? So this is not like, you know, like turn out the back window shooting a gun. Like, like someone's like, like in the sunroof, shooting at the brother-in-law as as this you know the car chase is going down this rural country road um i don't it doesn't say if the brother-in-law also returned fire or shot at the suspects it only it just says that the suspect shot through the sunroof at the brother-in-law as this gun battle car chase scene unfolds hollywood style our criminals the suspects, they crash into a nearby tree and run away on foot. Um, at some point in here, dispatch finally gets a phone call and the sheriff's office shows up. It says that uh, the law enforcement show up shortly after the crash. One of the two suspects immediately gives himself up to law enforcement. Yes, I come to, I'm one of the dudes. I crashed into the tree. You can have me. The other one has run off. And a several-hour-long manhunt pursues, pers uh, uh, happens, right, begins. And eventually, the second suspect is found, and he surrenders himself in a nearby field. And I'll wrap it up with this quote from the sheriff. He says the following quote, I would not advise breaking, in, uh, breaking into anything in rural Oklahoma because they don't mess around, end quote, uh, uh, says Sheriff Davis. And then, quote, 
somebody might end up getting hurt. End <clears throat> quote. Um, uh, we know that both suspects had meth on them and they were convicted felons. So, yeah. What do you think about that one, Matthew? Yeah. Well, Elky, as you're describing this, you know, and as I was reading the story earlier, I was on the same Elky made a comment that reminds me of a Dukes of Hazard episode. That was exactly what I was thinking. I'm imagining this Dukes of Hazard, like generally jumping and all kinds of stuff over rivers and stuff. But here's the thing like, it, uh, this is in kind of, it, this is obviously a, a, a justified save, like, right? Like the actual use of force inside the home, somebody's breaking in your home uh, is, is a justified use of force. And it obviously um, seemed to be one of the, main factors that cause these two guys not to continue to break into the home. Um, but um, I put it under the what not to do because in general, right? Like we're, we probably don't want to pursue after people like this, like these, the guy, the brother-in-law, you know, might not have known that they were armed at the time uh, when he's pulled up. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but he certainly found out once they started shooting at him and thank God he wasn't hit, but he, obviously could have been right so imagine the tragic thing that would you know how, how tragic this would be for the brother who calls his brother-in-law who ends up getting killed chasing after two you know um burglars right um so i mean uh, this had a happy ending um and like you said they probably called his brother i don't know if we called him first or called the police after I, i'm not sure um but hopefully, and it doesn't say in the story, it, it, the, the sequence, but hopefully the police were called before the brother, um, even if, you know, they're far away, even more so reason to call the police before the brother, if the police response is going to be delayed. So, um, or sheriff or whatever. Um, but we all live in different areas, right? So these people might've had a 30 minute response time. So he's like, Hey, get down here. I don't want to be by myself. Totally appropriate. Use of force is appropriate. Just, uh, the reason why I kind of put it into a what not to do category is, you know, the Dukes of Hazard, you know, chase afterwards um, exposes you and opens you up to a, not only just being injured, but imagine, and I don't know the, the roads and stuff like that, but imagine if, you know, one of these two people crosses over a median and strikes a family as they're in this, you know, police chase or this chase, right? It happens all the time and, and, and a family gets killed because these people are, are chasing after them, right? So there's a whole bunch of things, bad things that can happen when you chase after somebody, especially when they're shooting at you or just randomly shooting in general area. Um, so good, good, good outcome, probably not the best decisions, but, um, you know, we're, we're able to kind of look at it in, in retrospect and say, and I, and I, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, Jacob, but I always, when I think about stories like this, I always wish I could reach out to the people and talk to him and say, Hey, do you second guess doing this or that? Would you have done it differently? You know, now looking back and, and, or, you know, would you have done the same thing? And I think it'd be an interesting uh, question to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Like our last story, the dude is sitting in a jail cell. I bet he has some regrets, mm -hmm. but uh, what I will give some props to the homeowner. Uh, not only does presumably he's probably the one who called the police. He, he also called his brother-in-law, but he also had the awareness to notice some dudes were walking around his house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, cause it, it could have been a much worse situation for him. If he had just sitting there watching TV and completely unaware and, you know, in about four seconds, you know, someone starts kicking in his back door and then comes through it with a gun. 
that would be a pretty crappy day. But instead, he's like, I see these dudes. I'm calling. I'm making phone calls. I'm getting my gun. I'm ready. Uh, oh, they're at the back door now in a position over here. Oh, they're kicking in that door. I'm ready. I'm primed. They come through the door. I'm taking action. So all that seemed pretty on point. And uh, I thought that was that was pretty cool. So anyway, I, I, the, all, the only other takeaway I have from this is that for those of you who listen to this and think that it, you know you live somewhere this wouldn't happen to you, I bet people in Cotto County, Oklahoma, uh, don't expect random criminals who currently are who are convicted felons out for have warrants out for them for drug possession and shooting with the intent to kill to randomly show up on some random country road and try and burglarize a house. So if that can happen there, I don't, I don't think any of us are exempt from from this happening to us. Mm-hmm. All right. Next, we are going to Fox 29 in Philadelphia. Headline, victim in attempted carjacking shoots 14-year-old suspect. Matthew, lay this one out. Yeah, any any headline like this coming out of Philadelphia isn't good, right? Like, So uh, Philadelphia, another Lyft driver, I think a couple – I think in our last – DGU episode, uh, we covered another shooting where a Lyft driver was had to use a firearm and she ended up uh, getting fired from her job at Lyft because they have a no gun policy. It doesn't mention that in this article, but uh, here's what happened. So a Lyft driver, and this happened at like five in the morning, um, Lyft driver gets uh, called or page or whatever you call it, uh, chartered um, and goes to pick up two people. Um, they are both juveniles, uh, I think a 14 and a 15 year old I'll call this Lyft driver. And so when the Lyft driver shows up, uh, they attempt to carjack the Lyft driver. Um, and the Lyft driver actually has a firearm, even though it's contrary to Lyft's policy. Uh, he has a, a, a real firearm, draws it out. He also, by the way, has a concealed carry license. So it's legally possessed, legally carried. Um uh, draws his firearm, shoots one of the um, suspects in the leg, the 14-year-old. The 15-year-old says, hey, dude, I don't want to get shot. So he stays on the scene as well. So they both stay on the scene. Police uh, get there, take them both into custody. Um, turn, 14-year-old survives, just shot in the leg. Uh, 15-year-old was never shot. Um, but uh, the, the firearm that was seized from the 14-year-old or 15-year-old, whichever one had the, had the firearm, turns out to be a BB gun. Um, so Lyft driver wasn't injured, not, not expected to face any charges or anything like that. Um, however, um, you know, this is in, in the article, it doesn't say this, but in the video attached video in the, in the article, um, it says that this is the 145th carjacking in Philadelphia this year. Um, that's the first three months in a week, right? So, um, that is insane. And the more, and I think in that our, uh, that episode, uh, the last DGU episode, or maybe the one before that, I was saying that there were reports that there are more and more carjackings um, over the past year. And many, many of them are, there's a higher uh, percentage of them are being um, conducted by juveniles. Like I'm not talking like 16 year olds. I'm talking like 14, 13, 15 year olds, like really young kids. And so, um, they're doing grown up things. So they're going to be held to grown up standards by, you know, when you start wielding guns and stuff, but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's obviously an, an issue. Um, but luckily this, this turned out. Okay. Like I said, I don't know what this guy lost his lift job, but, uh, 
you know, it, it, as far as I, the far, as far as I know, Lyft never changed their policy. So you still have a no gun policy. Uh, I'm under the same impression. Uh, Lyft yeah. and Uber both, you know, prevent the use, you know, the use of a, or possession of a gun while operating under their services, you know, is, is, is a uh, conduct that, you know, we could cause you to lose access to the app mm. as a driver or as a passenger, mm. uh, which there are worse things, you know, like being dead. So <sighs> carjackings are a tough one for me, Matthew, because I guess I, I'm always oh, trying to hold out hope that if something happens that, that I don't want to have to use deadly force Carjackings are hard for me because I think it's very hard. In the moment I have to make the decision, it's going to be very difficult for me to, to know whether or not this is going to lead to something violent or just property theft. Mm -hmm. Because if, if if I knew, right, if I knew in the moment, like all this person is going to do is take this gun and drive away, that looks like, in fact, I think that's a BB gun, then for sure, like, car's insured, bro. Like, go to town. But I don't know that. I have no idea. In, uh, in 2015, and maybe there's been some research done since then, I just happened to do this research in about 2017, and the most recent data I could find was from 2015. In 2015 in America, 115,000 violent crimes, specifically murders or rapes, started out in a car. So the car was where the, the crime began. Okay, so 115,000 murders and rapes that start out in a crime or start out in a car is a, is a, is a pretty high number. Uh, I mean, I'm no mathematician, but 115,000 divided by 365, uh, that's an average of 315 per day in this country. That's not good. So I think, unfortunately, carjacking is one of those things where you just got to be on your game. And because you don't know how it's going to go down, if you have a reasonable threat of death or serious bodily injury, you got to act. Because you don't know what's happening. You don't know what the objective is. You don't know what the 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 criminal's intent is. And I know that about 300 and something people a day uh, either get killed or raped and that that crime starts out in a car. And I don't intend to be on that list. So I don't fault the homeowner. Um, what I will, I guess my last thought would just be the gunfights in cars really suck. Very hard to, to you can't maneuver. You're just stuck in a seat. So the you know you are where you are. You're not going to you, you're moving in any situation where you can't move in a gunfight. Pretty crappy situation to be in. You basically have no cover. Um, visibility is a huge issue because you it's really hard to turn and see behind you and to your into your sides. Um, and and you know very it takes very little for a glass to effectively spiderweb. And now you're blinded on one side or in front of you or the other side too. So not to mention trajectory changes if you're trying to shoot through glass depending on the distance and, and myriad of other factors, the bullet might not go where you're aiming. Yeah. I do not want to be in a gunfight when I'm sitting in a car. That is not my ideal outcome. So for whatever that's worth, uh, consider that too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know if I ever shared this on the podcast. I, I know I wrote an article a while, a long time ago, but I was actually carjacked uh, when I was younger and it's, it, you know, I'm not going to get into it now, but um, you're absolutely right. Like there. Uh, so many crimes begin with uh, inside a vehicle. Um, and so it, there is a moment where you, you have to make that decision and, and in any use of force, right. Even if it's not a car, but like uh, you're, you're being held up at an ATM or whatnot um, where uh, it, it, 
can I comply and get out of this situation? Is, 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 is there indication that this person just wants property or is there any indication that this is going to become more violent or um, it's not just about the property? It may be partially the property and they don't want me to be able to identify them. Um, but you have to make that decision. And, and that's something that you have to have a clarity of mind to be able to do in the midst of, of a very dangerous and, you know, um, uh, situation. So, um, yeah, yeah, it, you're totally right. Yeah. Not, not bueno. Nope. Okay. Next we are going to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some suburb mentioned specifically Beverly. We're going to Beverly, Illinois, which I, I presume is part of Chicago. Cause this is on the Chicago Tribune. Uh, is it my turn, Matthew? Should I? Am, it am is. I, is it my turn? Okay. So the, the headline here: Beverly man, 69 years old, with concealed carry license, shoots at three would-be robbers, injuring one. Cops say. I uh, cops. I don't know where these journalists come up with. This. Okay. Anyway, so here's what roughly go down. We got three teenagers. They're in a stolen vehicle. I think it's a Ford Fusion. Yeah. They're in a gray Ford Fusion, which they presumably they stole. It's it's been reported stolen. And they uh, they pull up into this neighborhood in Beverly, and they get out of the car, and they approach a 69-year-old man and, quote, demanded his belongings. So probably something like, hey, give me your wallet and your watch. I don't know. Do people? Some people have nice watches, I guess. <laughs> and uh, the 69-year-old man's like, not today. So he draws his handgun and, quote, shot toward the group of boys, end quote. Uh, this is at 10.35 p.m., so presumably it's a little bit dark outside, okay? And, uh, you know, I don't know how much visibility he has, but I'm guessing these boys, they see a gun, and they start running, and he fires toward them. And uh, one of these three teenage boy criminal attacker dudes uh, is shot in the knee. <laughs> they get back to their Ford Fusion, all three of them, and they drive off. And apparently the knee shot is, you know, hobbles into the Ford as well. Uh, later on, the Ford crashes in, you know, you know crashes and uh, th- all three people, quote, took off running. I don't know how you do that if you've been shot in the knee, but that's what it says. But soon they were caught by Chicago police officers. Two of the three have been charged. The third one has not. We don't know why. So that's the narrative as I understand it, Matthew. What do you, What do we take from this one? Yeah, not not much other than well, I mean, obviously there's a lot to take, but like I don't have much to add. I'll leave like the the heavy hitting stuff to you. But um, obviously this guy, you know, he's aware enough to be able to respond, right? So uh, he has the gun accessible, right? It's not under the seat in a in a lockbox or something. It's accessible. Hopefully, it's on him on his person. This is one of those things we recommend having the gun on you um especially like you know if you're in a vehicle and you you get into an accident a lot i see a lot of people using you know uh, magnet mounts and things like that if you get in an accident or or anything even you you turn really quickly and uh, i'm not saying the magnets don't don't hold it well enough but it could end up somewhere else in the vehicle or outside the vehicle you go to pump gas you get out the guns in the car Anyways, he has the gun on him, which is good, able to respond appropriately. Uh, the, I'm not sure when it says shot around at the in the direction of the group, if that's just the 
you know, the, the lingo that the reporter's using, or that's really what he said, like, Hey, I just fired around at some three kids or whatever, three guys that were robbing me either in, in any event, he ends up hitting one of them in the knee. Um, it doesn't, you know, we, we have to be, we have to make our shots count. Right. So if this were, let's say this were somebody, um, intending to harm this guy, right. With a firearm shooting somebody in the knee is probably not going to be effective at stopping this person. Right. Um, obviously if he's able to run away from the scene of a auto crash, um, he's not injured terribly. Right. So if, if this was, let's say, you know, we, use this marksmanship ability in some other instance where the guy has a knife or is, is, is actively attacking, um, then shooting somebody in the knee or either purposely or not having the ability to shoot center mass or, or multiple shots to effectively stop that person. This is why we don't really try to shoot people in the extremities or something like that. Right. So, um, just one of those things that I, I pulled out of there, I thought, you know, it's more important that we stop the threat um, than just shoot rounds towards them. So and hope that they hit. But Yeah, it's not clear to me. Like this could be lots of different scenarios. It could be that um, yeah, these, these, these kids are like we're, you know, Mr. Mr. Guy, innocent 69-year-old, is taking a walk around the block, you know, getting some exercise in. And these three suspects like get right in his face, like they're really close, like within arm's reach, and they're asking for stuff and you know, saying, Give us your give us your stuff. And he draws and he and you know, at, as he's drawing that gun and as it's coming up, these boys are like, Oh crap, and they start to run. But he's, you know, as almost as part of his draw strokes, he he cracks off a shot and then he stops himself, like, okay, they're they're gone, they're leaving, I'm good. If that's the case, then it's like Okay, well, your aim may not have been awesome, but all around you probably exercised some good judgment saying, I don't need to keep shooting. I'm good now. Mm-hmm. Life is good, right? Uh, or it, it could be it could be something else entirely. It could be um, that the three suspects are, you know, up in his grill and saying, Give us your wallet. And he's like, and he, he grabs his gun and points at him, like, you know, screw you. And they start running. And he's like, Yeah, that's what I thought. And then he like, cracks off a shot at their right. backs. In which case, it's like, that was super not good, right? Like, that's not cool. We talked about that already in today's episode. So, like, we're all on the same page. That wouldn't be okay. So, so anyway, you know, we don't have enough detail to know, like, at what point is a threat made? At what point does the suspect start to run away? At what point is the shot actually fired? Uh, and, and, and you know, what was he aiming for? Was he, you know, just was did he just miss? And that's what, you know, or was he aiming for legs because he thought that was the right thing to do? We miss a lot of that information in this case. So I think all your points are super good, Matthew. And and uh, <laughs> I, I think the other main takeaway for me today, you know, because we have had this happen now, and two of the news stories we've looked at is criminals can't drive. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> this one and the Oklahoma one, they both like ran ran into something and crashed the car. So just I guess my two cents. If anyone's listening to this, if you're a criminal, like you need to work on your defensive driving skills because <laughs> clearly, like a, a core component of how you get caught is you crash the getaway car. So, you know, get a better driver or learn to drive or something because this is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> this is this is embarrassing for the criminal element. Like, right. Stop and, and crashing getaway cars. And we we do, we've covered a lot of stories, DGUs, that start with a with a vehicle accident, right? Like, oh, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I'm, I can recall a lot that, 
a you know police respond to a car crash and then the guy's getting out stabbing people because he you know or he crashes a car and then carjacks somebody else because that was a stolen car so this happens quite a yes. bit where criminals are jumping from car to car or trying to get away or smash something or high or whatever so just be that be aware also like if you're responding you know you see a car accident and stuff and you want to go help people i'm not saying don't help and i'm not saying assume everybody's you know some you know, tweaked out dude that just, you know, shot somebody. But I'm just saying like, keep that in the back of your mind that this may not be exactly what I think it is initially, you know? So. Yep. Yep. Valid comment. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to California and Mm. this see, this story is on. KIRO seven. KIRO seven. So purportedly this is some local affiliate of, I don't know what station, what network. It doesn't actually say like what crappy branding KIRO channel seven. You should let us know if you're an ABC, CBS, NBC, or Fox affiliate, maybe you're none of the above. And that's why you don't have a logo on your website. All right. So the headline California resident disarms shoots and kills robbery suspect during home invasion. Police say so Matthew on the surface, this looks like some, some John wick stuff going on. Like, you know, tell us what, what the crap's happening. Yeah. So this is an awesome one. This happened in San Diego, uh, California. Um, so uh, in the area of 43rd Street, this is, if you're familiar, this is where the Navy base and Naval base is uh, in San Diego. So not a terrible area, but not the greatest, right? It's not the greatest. But um, anyways, a 62-year-old California resident um, is returning home. And uh, this is around shortly after 9 p.m. in the evening. Um, he's returning home. Uh, he sees two men outside his house and they confront him outside the home uh, one holds him at gunpoint and orders them orders uh, him to let them into the home. So all three men go into the home. There's nobody else inside the home. Um, as um, he as they're inside the home, uh, one of the suspects going through the home, the guy with the gun still has uh, holding him at gunpoint. The homeowner at gunpoint. Uh, at one point, the homeowner, the 62 year old man, uh, assumes or, or or makes the decision. I don't, I'm not going to comply with this anymore. I don't feel comfortable, whatever, for whatever reason he decides compliance isn't going to be my, my choice. Uh, I'm going to try to disarm this guy or give him a physical confrontation with the guy who has the firearm. He does, uh, ends up disarming the guy and shooting him. Um, the, the guy who was holding him at, uh, at gunpoint, uh, who was a 39 year old man. So considerably younger. Um, I don't know the, you know, the size differences in, in, in the health of these guys, but a 62 year old guy disarms a 39 year old guy and shoots him. Uh, he ultimately dies. The guy, uh, the robber who got shot ultimately dies. Um, the other out- the suspect is still outstanding, um, described as an Asian American man. Um, but a uh, pretty Pretty good uh, story to end with. Um, we hit, saved it to the end because I thought, I mean, it was just a, a really good, um, I think, uh, explanation or, or um, graphic of not not giving up, right? Like this guy, for whatever reason, he decided I'm not going to comply um, and decides I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. And he, he overcomes, you know, a much younger person, presumably, um, you know, maybe more fit or more, or stronger or whatever. Um, but this is, this is an awesome story to end with. We've had some, you know, kind of downers, uh, but I think this is a good story to end with. Um, I'm sure you have a lot to add, Jacob. Mm. Yeah, no, I think all those comments are super good. 
I don't know if, uh, if John Cree is the genesis of this this phrase, but he'll often say that you have to wait your turn. And uh, at least I, I learned that that phrase from him. And I think in a, in a oftentimes in a confrontation in a fight, you do have to wait your turn. So in this case, the homeowner, the however old he was, sixty two or whatever, he he waited his turn. So either initially he just didn't see an opening, and he's like, yeah, it's not my turn yet. I got to wait until the opportunity is right, or perhaps something changed. It went from him thinking, yeah, not a big deal. These guys are going to take my laptop to somehow something happens. So he observes, thinks, remembers, sees something that makes him think, you know what? This could go sour. I think I need to take action. So I don't I don't know if, if something changed or if he just was waiting the whole time for his turn. And, and when, when John Korea says, you know, you got to wait your turn, what that what he means is you have to wait for your opening. You know, when, when someone's looking right at you, pointing a gun at your face, it's a really bad time for you to make it make a move, you know. So sometimes your turn is when someone turns away, when they're distracted, when the gun moves, uh, you know, any number of things that could happen that, that create the opening you need. One of the challenges I think in this case is, you know, presumably the thirty-something-year-old dude is probably has a physical advantage over the sixty-two-year-old-something dude. We don't know. I mean. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe 62-year-old dude's a former Navy SEAL. He lives in the right place in California. That could be the case. But but you know, maybe your turn in that case has to be a different thing. You have to keep you have to be looking for something more significant uh, for you to act. Uh, we, I, I think about this a lot when it comes to like draw speed, right? Uh, I, I know my draw speed roughly in a defensive encounter is probably going to be between one and one and a half seconds, right? Because on my best day, if I'm warmed up. I can get right around 0.9, 0.95. So in a defensive encounter, I always just presume I'm probably one to one and a half seconds. So I know that if I have to wait my turn to draw a gun, it's I, I need an opening that gives me at least one and a half seconds, probably preferably two seconds, because even if I shoot someone, they still have a certain amount of time to continue to react. So so you got to figure out, like when you're looking for your opening, like what's what 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 kind of an opening do you need? And that's obviously going to vary by circumstance. And, and in this case, it's not about how quick this guy could draw. It was about him having to wrestle a gun away from somebody. Um, I, I kind of presume that the second intruder, home intruder, was not armed because that would be a really tough decision. If it's like, I'm going to go wrestle a gun away from this dude, but his buddy's armed. Ooh, I don't think I'd want to be that. I don't think I'd want to be in that situation. So, mm-hmm. so I kind of in my head just kind of assumed that maybe only one dude was armed. So if I can wrestle that dude and get the gun away from him, then I'm going to be in a good place. You know, I, I have, I put myself in the advantage. There's a comment here from one of our live viewers, uh, Jared. He says, determination and violence of action can often tip the scales in your balance. So I, I really like that because it's also an issue of like, well, these home intruders, they, how committed are they? <laughs> you know, Cause if I'm more determined than they are, like if I'm ready to flip a switch and go completely ape bat crazy on you right now and, and, and you know, die trying, you know, that's going to give me an advantage over you, even if, if maybe you're stronger, younger, bigger, or whatever. So I, I think that uh, wait your turn, know what that means for you, how big of an opportunity you need in order to respond. And when you flip that switch, you got to be determined. You've got to be ready to do whatever is necessary to win. Absolutely. Yeah, it it, it is a thing. Like I kind of mentioned earlier about flipping the switch and you you – came Mm -hmm. full circle again, you know, it's, it's that ability to say like when it, when it's time, you, you have to have a a determination and a focus of survival. Right. And so, um, 
but we can't have that run through every like all the time because number one it's it's terribly difficult psychologically to be turned on like that all the time right and secondly it causes us to maybe prematurely act when it's not our turn or it's not our opening or it's not tactically advantageous for us to do it and so um that's why you know you have to have that kind of and and everybody's different right like not some people are going to be in a wheelchair some people are walking with a walker some people you know um uh, maybe, may, you know, I don't drink, um, alcohol, but maybe some people drink alcohol and you have to understand that if you're drinking alcohol, you may not be as aware and able to, to think on your feet as quickly and formulate a plan so quickly and pick up these things. And so these are all things that you factor into your everyday life of how, how am I going to be able to best survive and, you know, what do I have to do? And I think it, a lot of it starts with that mental training um, because we're not all as strong as each other. I'm not as strong as a lot of people, um, but I do know that my brain is always going to be able to switch on very quickly and start formulating a plan. And I'm going to do the best I can to survive. And um, that's going to be, you know, my, my best attribute, you know, cause I can't always physically overpower somebody. So. Yep. Yep. All super valid. And, uh, you're cutting yourself short though. <laughs> Literally, Matthew's not the tallest guy I know. But I, I would not want to grapple with you, my friend. <laughs> so, gentlemen and ladies out there, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We do need to announce our weekly winner. A reminder that you can sign up for a weekly giveaway every week by going to concealcarry.com forward slash podcast prize, or you can go to podcasts.concealcarry.com and click on giveaway. And uh, we're really excited about these giveaways. We're kind of putting some renewed emphasis on those and, and adding some cooler prizes to that rotation. So make sure you always enter to win there. So Matthew, what's this week's giveaway and who won? So this week we're giving away a DVD top 10 things you probably don't know about self-defense law from Andrew Branca. Very cool prize. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like a $20 DVD or something. And mm -hmm. I, I learned something when I watched it. So Matthew, who wins? Uh, the winner is Ken. Ken, you're going to receive an email. Um, just make sure you check your junk mail. His last name is, starts with an S. So if you're Ken S, check your junk mail if you haven't gotten one and you know you entered into this week's giveaway. There's probably like one billion Ken S's on, <laughs> right. on, on earth, but, but uh, only so many that could possibly have entered our giveaway. So, all right, Ken, thank you and congratulations. And next week, what are we giving away, Matthew? The giveaway that's going on now that you should enter we're giving away a ready up gear ear clip um for electronic hearing protection or hear ear muff type uh hearing protection um that allows you to clip that onto your belt rather than put it around your head or on your thigh or something or lose it on the on the bench somewhere like i always do it's awesome awesome the, the ear clip is a simple but fantastic product yes we <laughs> We've been very surprised how quickly they've sold. So we, we set one aside uh, and dedicated it for the giveaway. So check it out, concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize, or just go to podcasts.concealedcarry.com and click on weekly giveaway. All right, folks, there you have it from us. Like always, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on your mobile or listening device. 
Uh, find a podcast app. Maybe one came on your phone or you can download one and, and make sure you're subscribed. That way you'll get notified every time a new episode gets published. And you can listen to that on your commute or when you're cleaning the house or out exercising or working out or whatever it might be. And we hope that uh, you'll take advantage of this content we put out there. We're coming up on episode 500 and I'll just tease and tell you something special is coming with episode 500. Uh, not only just with that episode, but also some changes to the podcast that we think are going to be very, very positive and we're really excited uh, about about what's coming. So make sure you subscribe and you can also remember you can always leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. Thank you everyone. We appreciate you being with us today. Uh, any salutations, Matthew? Stay safe guys. Stay safe. So remember to train right, train off and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast and fight true. Take care. reminder that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws the concealed carry podcast concealed carry inc concealed and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm related incidents and laws but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this we cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast